So you're ready for your next promotion, but how do you frame your thinking, the conversations, and the case you make to decision makers? In this episode, what works and what doesn't to help you move forward in your career. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 526. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. There comes a moment, in fact, in most of our careers, there comes many moments where we start thinking about making the case for our next position, that promotion. And it is something that many of us haven't been taught how to do. And when we get to that point, we're often wondering, how do we actually frame that conversation effectively and prepare for it well? Today, I'm so glad to welcome back an expert to the show who's going to help us to really make the case for a promotion and to do it in a way that is really appropriate, professional, and thoughtful. I'm so glad to welcome back May Bush. She is the former Chief Operating Officer of Morgan Stanley Europe. She was promoted 10 times during her 24-year career at Morgan Stanley. Today, she's an executive coach and mentor, helping professionals overcome the often hidden obstacles, advance to the next level in their careers, and reach their full potential. May is the author of Accelerate, Nine Capabilities to Achieve Success at Any Career Stage, and the creator of the How to Get Promoted course. May, so glad to have you back on the show. Hi, Dave. It is wonderful to be back. Thank you. I love the community you have created, and I love the whole ethos of helping people achieve their full potential as leaders. Well, This is important work. Well, thank you for that. And you are doing so much wonderful work in this way also. Our last conversation was so helpful to folks. And this one, uh, I know, is also going to be useful in that so many of us do hit this point in our careers where we're thinking about the next promotion. So let's see if we can help some folks get promoted today. And before we we get into some of the details, and I'm, I, you know, you, I mentioned your bio, you, you had such a, an amazing career success at Morgan Stanley and so many promotions in your career, you clearly have figured out some things to do this well. As you look back on that time, what is one thing that you learned along the way that really did help you to advance your career in such a substantial way? What a great question, Dave. So that was really that I uh, had to take ownership, take leadership, and be proactive if I wanted to keep advancing in my career and that my work was not going to speak for itself. And all the socialization and training I'd had, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I was brought up as a nice Chinese girl and I'm sure my mother thinks that thinks of me as hopefully still being that nice Chinese girl, but I had to learn quite a bit when it came to succeeding in an organization because it's a completely different thing than being in the uh, in the loving arms of your family, shall we say? Yeah, uh, thanks for sharing that because I, I think that is a thinking error that a lot of us make is that my good work will speak for itself, and also that something else you said there. It's you know it's 
it's not necessarily my role to drive my career and next steps. And you learned what I think a lot of folks have discovered is that it, it really is up to us to drive this. Yes, there are other people who are involved. And so if we can learn to do that better, it, it, it's going to help us to be a lot more successful. And you've discovered also along the way, as you've coached others, there are some things that we can't rely on. And there's two things in particular that you highlight to folks to not rely on. And one of them relates to what you just said, which is being a culture carrier. Could you tell me what you mean by that? Yes. What I mean by that is there are in every organization people who are just steeped in the culture of the place and who are almost like the like the mortar between the bricks holding the whole place together and they just live the values of the organization. Just using me as an example, they used to say, wow, if May had a cut and was bleeding, she would bleed Morgan Stanley blue. That's just how much of uh, ingrained the culture of the company was in me. And so in that sense, I was a carrier of that culture. And, And so that's where this idea of culture carrier comes. And it's being a good citizen being the person that everyone can rely on to do the right thing according to the way that the organization would want you to do them. And this is something that is really helpful, but you can't rely on it solely because I have watched people who are just good citizens not get promoted because even as you're being a good citizen and embracing and using that set of behaviors that is so on point for your organization, if you're not delivering on results, it's not going to be enough to carry the day when it comes time for those promotion decisions. Because those decisions are being made, you know, behind closed doors. Sometimes it feels like quite a bit of a black box. I had the privilege of, as I got more and more senior, being behind those closed doors. And being part of those discussions. And those were really eye-opening because you start to see that when they talk about different candidates, terms like, wow, well, yeah, she, she is such a good citizen. She is a culture carrier. And that was not enough though. And they go, well, Stephen over here, he has just knocked the cover off the ball and he's brought in XYZ pieces of business and uh, made these kinds of impacts, and and that would be so much more powerful. And if Stephen was also a little bit of a difficult person to manage, maybe even kind of a jerk on the around the edges, sometimes, unfortunately, he would get promoted ahead of the culture carrier. One of the other things you say in your work that we uh, can't or maybe shouldn't rely on is something you call retention risk, which is the threat the threat that we might leave if we don't get the promotion that we might pack our bags and go to the competitor. What is it about that that's problematic? Yeah, what's problematic is that they might call your bluff. So if you're going to pull out the point that, hey, you know, this promotion means so much to me, if I don't get it, then, uh, you know, I've got a lot of other offers out there and uh, I might just take it. (laughs) Well, the thing is that they might say, well, I'm so glad you have all those offers. And uh, yeah, please go ahead. And so you have to be willing to walk or to to 
have that possible outcome where it's not persuasive. Uh, and, and so it can be a real double-edged sword. And and I should I should say here, I I think you and I have both seen this work <laughs> um at times where someone says something like that and it does motivate an organization or a committee to uh, go with that person. My sense is, though, it's just not the strongest case that a person can make to advance their career. And this is maybe just my own personal experience and anecdotal, but it seems that when that does occasionally work, that it tends not to lay a groundwork for uh, for a long-term relationship. And oftentimes people do end up going to other organizations down the road. I completely agree that it is not the basis for a strong long-term relationship. And one of the things that's so important is this, the term trust. And trust is really foundational for all strong relationships. And when, when we use veiled threats like that, and maybe it's not so veiled a threat, maybe it's a overt threat, hey, promote me or pay me X or else, then that is laying the foundation of fear and threat for the relationship versus trust. And you're absolutely right. It's not a stable foundation. Well, speaking of trust, let's look at some really effective ways that you've seen this work, not only in your own career, but now you coach folks to really help them to advance to the next positions. And one of the things that's central in how you help people position themselves is thinking about track record. And we touched on this a moment ago. I think this is not something that would surprise most people is thinking, okay, what's my track record? But how much of this is the track record itself and how much of it is how you position it to others? Uh, Where where do you start with someone on that? Yeah, it's so important that you have highlighted these two different aspects of track record because it really is equal important to first have a track record to talk about, and then secondly, to talk about it in the right way, which is what we mean by positioning it. So so I always like to start with the substance, which is what is your track record? What are those unique accomplishments, the, the blend of what you've achieved, your experience space, the strengths that you have, the skills you've developed. So it's it's really your whole package of abilities and traits and experiences that uh, need to come together and be something that you can express and talk about in a way that's clear and in a way that is aligned with what's important for the company. Oftentimes, it seems that we are really good at identifying those things in others, accomplishments, experiences. We see that in our colleagues and our peers. And yet, when we think about ourselves, starting to think about, okay, what are my strengths? What are my accomplishments? What are my experiences? It, it It's hard to objectively really highlight them. When you see people do this well, what is it that helps them to really clarify what what is not only uh, objective, but also what's most important to highlight? There, there are a couple of ways that uh, I found it's helpful to go come at this. And in fact, you you want to triangulate on it. You want to take multiple different vantage points because the people that you're appealing to, the audience for this, 
there, it's not just one person. You don't get promoted by just one individual. Well, certainly not once you get past the first couple of promotions. A lot of other people have input. So you also need to be looking at it through various different lenses. So one thing that's really helpful is to understand what is valued by the organization and not just by the organization overall, but by the people who are the decision makers and the influencers. And so, you know, it's getting promoted is, is a broader topic because there are these other people, your stakeholders, what platform you have, all these things. But when we're focusing really on your, just on your track record here and how to think about it, you want to take the perspective of what's valued by the different people who are going to be evaluating you and your candidacy. And to, to do that, you can be talking to those people on a regular basis to find out throughout the course of the year what does really matter to them and, and understand it from being in their shoes, because that will really help you figure out, oh, well, how does what I do and the, the wins that I can see I've had, how might they appear when looked at through the eyes of these other people? in different parts of the organization who are going to have an opinion and have a say. I'm guessing getting some of that down on paper is useful just to start framing, okay, here's here's what might fall under these categories and 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 maybe and to your point, you know, there's lots of stakeholders. That might even be something you get input on from someone else as far as thinking yeah. about, you know, what's going to be really useful to the organization. Yes. And then this, the second thing is you definitely want to be talking to other people because, as you say, sometimes you don't see it for yourself, but others have a much easier time identifying what your accomplishments are. I remember sitting there writing my self-evaluation and struggling with it, and my husband looked over and said, what are you doing? And I said, oh, writing this self-evaluation, it's so hard. You know, I hate bragging about myself, la, la, la. And so he said, well, Gee, he took a read through and he goes, you haven't talked about this, that, and the other because, you know, I come home and tell him what I was working on. Oh, yeah. Uh, nothing confidential, of course. But so he really had this much more distilled set of views on what I had accomplished. And sometimes, you know, we are up too close to it and we, we see everything that we do and it's hard to discern. So it's helpful, even if it's somebody who's a family member that you've been talking to, but also your colleagues, your mentors, and even, even team members sometimes. Yeah, indeed. Like what you said, it, we get so close to it and it's, it's, this is really personal, especially, right? Because it's about our career, our performance whether or not someone acknowledges what we've done, I mean, which is what a promotion is in a way, and, and certainly is and feels very personal. It's really hard for us to get beside all the emotional things. And if we can get some of that outside perspective, that can really help. One of the other lenses that you invite people to look through is if track record is the past, the yes. other part is future potential. And you you say... Thinking about this through the lens of, in what ways am I showing that I'm a franchise player? Tell me about that. So somebody who can make the case for being a franchise player is, one, one way they can do that is to demonstrate that they're thinking about more than just their patch, that their little 
part of the company. And that the way that they talk about things, the kinds of connections that they make with people are about connecting dots. So it's not just your own area, but it's reaching out to other areas so that you can make something bigger happen that benefits the entire organization, not just your unit, but but overall. And again, this gets into the whole importance of putting yourself in the shoes of the decision makers. Sure, they care about each team member, but they mostly are guardians and keepers and drivers of the overall overall business. So yeah, so you need to be able to articulate how your promotion helps the business. You know, how could you do more for the organization with a bigger set of responsibilities or a more senior title? You know, maybe if you're calling on clients and your next level of client base is the C-suite. Well, the C-suite wants to feel like they are talking to somebody who is at their level. So in, in that sense, it might be helpful to the organization to have you be at a more senior title. And maybe your case might be that you are an excellent people manager. And so if you were given a greater uh, or bigger team to manage, you could make an even bigger impact by bringing out the best of more of the people. I know there's some folks who are listening to this and are having the thought, okay, intellectually, I'm there. I know I need to make the business case. I've heard that before. And yet are having the thought, I don't really know for sure what the executives or the next level of management are kind of thinking about around mm. the business case. When you see people run into that, where they're they're thinking about the next position, they're they're starting to frame this conversation. What is it that helps illuminate that a bit for them if they don't feel like they have a clear sense of what those things are? Yeah. So you always start by taking a few moments to think and reflect because you know usually if you're a high achiever, which I'm sure everyone who cares about being a good leader is a high achiever almost by definition. And high achievers like to be in motion. They like to be busy. They are doing things and getting things done. So it's just taking a moment away from that to zoom out and give yourself a chance to think about what might be the perspectives, what might be important. And then who might you be able to talk to, to learn more? And the second thing then you could do is to go on a bit of a listening tour. And you can start with people that you know, your mentors, even some peers. You know, there's certain peers who are very switched on. I, I know I had some, some peers and colleagues who had just had the entire thing completely sussed out. So I could just huh. grab them and uh, have a quick conversation and, you know, yeah, what do you think the uh, management committee is really concerned about? And there was this one guy, Harry, I'm going to call him, that wasn't his real name, but he just somehow intuitively knew, or he was having this conversation. So you might be able to shortcut the whole thing by just finding some of these people who are, who are very astute in this way. I was hopeless, but I've learned since then. And, and that's why I'm saying it's helpful to talk to other people. 
And if you're at any kind of event where you're you're able to listen to uh, one of the senior decision makers or influencers speak, you can go meta, go to a meta level, M-E-T-A, meta level, and start observing what are they talking about? You know, what seems to be on their minds? And so, so you want to go and be an observer as well, if you can't actually go and talk to some of these people. I love the invitation to stop and think and listen. So often we think like work is supposed to be doing things, talking, being in meetings, and yet we can discover so much from just taking that step back. And I and I really like the way you framed that question to Harry is, what do you think management's thinking? And it did, it doesn't necessarily even have to be. In fact, perhaps it's better not to be in the context of, I'm thinking about asking for a promotion. <laughs> right. it's, it's just a, you know, it's the kind of thing that like we should all be paying attention to anyway in organizations, right? Like, what do you think leadership's thinking about on this? And, and just coming from a place of lightness and curiosity and- yeah. Like you said, I mean, it seems like there's always a few people in the organization that for whatever reason, they've got good people skills, they're good listeners, they just have a sense of things, they kind of have the pulse of what's going on. And those are great folks to be curious around and, and start to think about, okay, how does this line up with what I might bring to the table as a business case? And also where are, uh, you know, where are the places where there's not alignment, which actually is a good lead into one of the other things you really challenge us to look at, which is, you know, lowering the risk perception. And of course, every single candidate for any role comes with some risk, right? Um, That's just the reality. We all have things we're not good at. We all have things that people would be concerned about with elevating us into the next role. You say, identify those concerns and start to think about how you de-risk them. Tell me more about that. What, What is... How do you get a sense of what those are and then what you might do to de-risk? Yeah, this is one of those things that you're right, is very hard to know exactly what it is. So again, as you're stepping back, taking a moment to think, reflect, these are some of the things that you can also be thinking about. You know, what are the stereotypes somebody might have or about me? What are the assumptions somebody might look at me and inaccurately assume. So using myself as an example, I'd had two kids, two young kids, and I don't think I could get anybody to admit this, but I'm pretty sure that somewhere in the back of the decision makers' minds would probably have been a thought like, ooh, is May going to leave now that she's got two kids? I mean, she might have a third one. I mean, who knows? And and so I just said, you know what, that's a likely concern that somebody might have. So in my case, I was very sure that I would continue to work, mostly because I think my family would have not been able to tolerate having this type A person at home not working (laughs) and being (laughs) miserable, and they would bear the brunt of it. So in my case, what I did was I talked about being the primary earner in our family and how, hey, if I don't work, we don't eat. I'm just like you guys. Now, that may or may not be true for everybody. If it's Whether or not it's true, the other thing I made sure people knew was how much I loved what I was doing and that I would I wanted to keep doing it. So that's one way I use to address the concern. Other people 
might actually decide, you know what, I want to have the flexibility to leave. So I'm just not going to address that risk, mm-hmm. that concern. Another concern somebody might have is, hey, does this person even want the job? There's somebody in one of my coaching groups who has a position coming up to be filled, and it's a people manager position. And there are three or four people on her team who could be promoted into that. And so she was thinking about, you know, what what are some of the characteristics that I should be looking for? And came to realize in, in our group coaching session that one of them is, does the person even want that responsibility in job? So if people might be wondering if you even want that next level of responsibility. And so in that case, you want to let them know your aspirations. You want to tell them about that and, and why. Another kind of concern might be how well is she going to be able to do that job at the next level? Because the people that promote you, they are taking reputational risk themselves because they're backing you. So you, they're using a little bit of their political capital. Their brand is going to be associated with your brand. And if you get promoted and don't do the great job that everybody hopes you will, then their reputation gets tarnished too. So yeah, there are a lot of things that people might have concerns about and you want to just do your best to help de-risk. I really appreciate you sharing some of your story. And I'm thinking particularly about what you said about family. And we all know that women get so much more pressure on the family. And in, even though that's not supposed to happen, it still does in so many places. And you didn't say this, but I'm, and tell me if I'm, if I'm interpolating too much here, but whether the risk is legitimate or not, <laughs> you're still approaching it from a, okay, this is there, even if it shouldn't be, how do I create a narrative that helps to either eliminate that or to reduce that in people's minds? And you're setting aside the emotion, maybe anger, maybe frustration of like, why do I even have to like have this conversation? Am I reading too much into that or like, what do you, how does that strike you? You're absolutely right about that, Dave. And it's the kind of thing where you just have to think of it as this is business. It's not about being, being emotional doesn't help. Being angry doesn't help. Uh, Well, it, it might help just to get you to do something, right? You can tap into anger or frustration to motivate you to take an action, but you you want to think of it in a business-like way. Uh, actually, even better is matter of fact. I've discovered that the single best stance to adopt is being matter of fact, because that's what business-like sounds like, right? You're just matter of fact about it. And the most important thing to help you be able to come across as matter of fact is to not take any of this personally, which is very hard because it seems so personal, right? They're, they're promoting me or not promoting me. It feels like it's a personal thing, but oftentimes there are a lot of forces that you don't even know are going on behind the scenes there might be some kind of political battle between your boss's boss and somebody else's boss's boss, and you're just getting caught in the crossfire. So it's really about not getting 
too upset and channeling all of any of those emotions into positive energy so that you can take whatever actions you can take to optimize your position and your opportunities. All right. Well, speaking of actions, we've got an action for everyone. If you're listening to this the week this comes out, uh, May and her team are offering a free training to really go into a lot more depth here. We are just really hitting kind of some of the, the beginning stages of what you would think about as far as getting promoted. May, for those who do pick this up in the next few days and maybe are thinking about making the case for that promotion right now, uh, tell us a bit about the the training you're offering and how folks uh, might uh, might find it if they'd want to get involved. Sure. So the free training series is on what it really takes to get promoted and uh, just lifting the cover off a little bit and, and talking about the things that aren't so obvious. And there are going to be three trainings and they will be available for a few more days. And so if this is of interest, I recommend that you Go ahead and check these out. They're in the lead up to opening enrollment, which starts tomorrow for the How to Get Promoted program. But whether or not you're interested in that, these trainings will have some really valuable nuggets for you. And I would encourage you to take a, take a look at them. The link, uh, Dave, you've got the link. I think you're going to put it right below this podcast recording. Yeah, I will. In fact, I'll, let's make it easy for folks. I'll set up the link for coachingforleaders.com slash get promoted, all one word. We've affiliated with May on this program because I think it's just a wonderful framework. For those of you who this is a very current question and something you're working on right now, I think it's just a wonderful place to start. And that will lead you to the free training. And for those who decide they would want even more, uh, May's got a wonderful course that goes along with it if you find that that would be useful to you. How's that, May, if we make that simple? Yeah, fantastic. Perfect. So we're going to get that in the episode notes, of course. It'll also be in this week's weekly leadership guide, so watch out for that. May, before I let you go, um, you know, the, the world has changed a lot in the last year or so with the pandemic, and it's changed how our careers are are working and even how promotions happen. I'm curious, as you have worked with folks over the last year, as you've run the prior iterations of the course, what have you changed your mind on in thinking about how people get promoted? Well, interestingly, because we've had the year we've had, what's changed the most for me is realizing that it is entirely possible and even in some cases probable that you can set yourself up and position yourself for promotion successfully while you are working from home virtually. And I used to think that you had to be in person in all those, those serendipitous moments of bumping into people in the corridors or, or in the cafeteria. But it, that, that has been the biggest shift in my mind, that you can do this whether you're virtual, in-person, or a hybrid. And if you're virtual, you just need to take even more ownership and be even more proactive. May is the author of Accelerate and also the creator of the How to Get Promoted course. May Bush, thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me, Dave.
If this conversation was helpful to you, several related episodes you may also want to check out. One of them is episode 390, Moving from Caretaker to Rainmaker. That was the last time that May was on the show. You heard us talk today about the importance of having a track record and, of course, making the case for that track record. However, what if you don't quite have the track record that you think you need? If that's you, episode 390 is a very good place to begin because that's really a conversation about how to move from uh, just doing your job, the core responsibilities, to actually making change and to making the organization a better place, not only through revenue growth and some of the traditional measures, but how can you really make the business case for how you've contributed great change in a positive way to the organization, to customers, to clients, so much in episode 390 that will get you thinking about taking those first steps. We were talking today, of course, about moving up internally in an organization, but maybe you've decided that looking externally is a next move for you. In that case, episode 406 may be a place you want to go. How to work with an executive recruiter. My guest on that episode was Becky D'Souza. She's an executive recruiter and walked us through just some of the basics that we all need to know about working with recruiters. Um, I know that was something I knew nothing about really at any point in my career until more recently. And it's something I think is very true for most leaders is we've never had any training of, well, if we get approached by an executive recruiter, or maybe we feel like we want to approach a recruiter, how do we actually go about the process of doing that? Episode 406 is a great insight into how that world works and where you may want to begin. And then finally, perhaps you or someone in your organization is wondering about what's the next step in your career at all. Maybe it's not inside the organization or the industry. Maybe it's something different entirely. If that's you thinking about how to craft a career to fit your strengths, maybe a place to dive in on. That was the title of episode 424. My friend Scott Barlow of Happen to Your Career was my guest on that episode. And we talked about really crafting a career well and how to really align it with your strengths. Scott's team is so brilliant at helping people to do that and think about things from the big picture first and then to design a career around that. Again, that's episode 424. All of those episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website, Career growth is one of the topic areas that we have databased so many episodes on over the years. If you will set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com, you can find all of the episodes, including the ones I've mentioned there, for easy access. Plus, you'll get all the benefits of free membership, including the entire library, searchable by topic, all of the member casts, my interview notes book notes, my own personal library with all the databases of everything that I've found that go into the weekly leadership guides that come out every Wednesday. All of those things included in free membership. The very best way to get access is just go over to coachingforleaders.com on the main page there. Just set up your free membership. You'll be off and running in a few moments. Next week, I'm glad to welcome Glenn Parker to the show. We are going to be talking about the importance of paying it forward, something that's so important for all of us to do from a leadership framework. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next Monday for that chat with Glenn.